0: Hello and welcome to a Blue Hour Twilight podcast, episode 4, Saturday, April 26, 2008. I'm Kaylin from a BlueHour.com and it's time to talk some more Twilight. Um, the forum is finally up and running again. Um, it survived the test run and I think I have all the kinks worked out, so that's really exciting. I've really missed the forum and talking to you guys about everything. Um, so go and join the forum and start talking Twilight. Um, as you guys know, I love receiving emails with Twilight questions and theories so shoot me an email at kaylin at and I'll respond to your email and possibly feature your question theory or idea on the show. It's breaking dawn countdown time. This is one of my favorite times of the day uh, when I get to see how many days of waiting we actually have left. So according to the official countdown on Stephanie Meyer's website we only have 97 days of waiting left. Okay this is really really awesome today because we are in double digits finally so that's exciting we're under a hundred days now oh, I'm so excited so everyone celebrate August 2nd it's coming up don't forget okay I have also received another Edward Cullen joke submission this time it was submitted by Tracy in Ohio and her joke is how do you join the Edward Cullen fan club send your name address and blood sample so thank you for your joke Tracy um, I'm really enjoying people sending in their jokes, so keep sending them in. Moving on to Twilight News. First, um, E-Talk has a couple of decently long interviews. Um, The first one is with Robert Pattinson, who I have to make the comment looks very handsome and shy during this interview. But anyway, uh, during the interview, he says that he thinks that um, Edward and Bella's relationship is strange. I guess I agree, but I mean, what do you expect? It's a human and vampire relationship, so it's naturally going to be kind of strange, but it kind of hurts to hear it out loud even though it might be true. <laughs> I don't know. He also says that after he finishes filming Twilight, he's supposed to go back to London to put out an album, You know, but he also says he can't make up his mind. He can't decide if he wants to have that 10 hour flight home or if he just wants to go to LA and work. Personally, I'm going to vote that Robert stays in the United States, but that's just me. So please, Robert, don't go home. Stay here. And now that's over. Um, They also talked with Rochelle LeFerve. In her interview, uh, she says that Victoria is the vampire that you don't want to meet in the street. Uh, I liked that description. I thought it was kind of funny. Oh, she also talked about the magic carpet thing that I talked about in the last podcast. I don't even remember what I called it, but I'm really glad I know what the name of it is now at least. She talked about like, you know, when she was cast and you know, she said that they were all thrown into vampire camp together. I'm so jealous. I want to go to vampire camp. So, maybe we should start vampire camp. That would be so fun. Or maybe just a field trip to Forks or something. That might be just as good. Uh, e! also interviewed Kristen Stewart and she said that Twilight is juicy because it doesn't shove the sex right down your throat. She also said that they haven't strayed away from the novel, so, and they just consolidated it. This, they just keep reassuring me that they aren't going to mess up the book, and they're really going to do a good job in the movie. So very exciting. Kellan Lutz fan has an interview with Kellan Lutz. They asked him um, if you've actually read the books. Does the cast exa- look exactly as you would imagine? I think you're actually the only actor that everyone has agreed meets expectations perfectly. He responded. Thank you for that. It means a lot, truly. I love the, all the choices for the roles, especially all the acting that the actors and actresses bring forth. The acting is so on spot with the characters. Everyone chosen for their roles are exactly I, as I imagine them in the book. The casting directors did an amazing job. So, yay, casting directors. Um, really, the more that I see with the cast, the better I feel about them playing these parts. So, I'm in agreement with Kellen. I'm really comfortable with everyone, and... I have no complaints about any of them, so that's really awesome. But anyway, they also asked Kellen. There have been debates about how you're going to make your uh, make you vampires sparkle. Would you mind if a few f- fans were assigned to rip glitter on you? And Kellen replied, Please do. I have really pale skin that needs some sparkle badly. Okay, can I please, please, please be picked for this job? I would maybe even convert to Team Emmett for this job, but just maybe. Um, I don't think that anyone would turn that job down, so I think that... should really get that started. Um, MSN released three articles about Twilight. The first one caused a huge, huge, huge uproar and rightfully so. Um, If you haven't read it yet or hadn't heard about it, those idiots called Stephanie Meyer Stephanie Miller, okay? (laughs) That's embarrassing. That's all I can say. Wow. So moving on, the second article was about Robert Pattinson and he said, I thought I couldn't deal with the humiliation of could he be more good looking and then I kind of read it as it's not it's not like the author is saying Edward is the best looking guy in the world it's from Bella's perspective who is obsessed with him. Pattinson says when you take that into account he could look like anything when you are in love with someone you look past all the flaws. Okay I was proud of him for saying that because of all the hell that he had to endure when he was first picked and everyone was being so brutal. So I'm really glad that Robert stuck with it, and he didn't let a bunch of meanies scare him off, so yay, Robert. Um, The third article was about Catherine Hardwick, and she said, The book stays in Bella's head a lot, but sometimes she implies a lot of action, and we show it. In one scene, Bella passes out when the venom starts going in her and she doesn't see the whole action the way Edward does. We see it all in a big way. We see the dismemberment, the fire, we see another vampire's head being spinned off by a chick. We see it. Okay, I think this is really interesting because I was kind of always under the impression that it wasn't one of the girls that took care of James, but we will see. You know, I'm trying not to dwell on that though, so I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Okay, Pangoria also released an article on Twilight and Time Magazine published an article about Stephanie Meyer. So you can check those out. I have links posted on my site. So MTV also put out some videos this week. The first one was of Robert and Kristen. And they were uh, talking about kisses. And Robert said that um, it turns into hell like all kisses do. Okay. I think that Robert just needs a new girlfriend, namely Kaylin, to show him that, you know, kisses aren't always hell. No. Okay, I'm just kidding. But seriously, Robert, call me. Um, (laughs) I'm moving on. That's embarrassing. Um, Stewart said that she was impressed. They asked her, I guess, what impressed her about Robert. And she said, I think he's really handsome. Okay. I thought that was really funny. And again, to stress the point, they have really great chemistry. So it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. They also had a second video that announced that Robert could possibly be writing Bella's lullaby himself. This is really exciting. Um, Even the possibility that Robert could be doing this it would make it just so much better. It would be awesome. So I kind of let out a little squeal after this announcement. I know it's embarrassing, but I just know it's. it was just too good. The announcement was just too good. IGN put out a Twilight article. I can't even talk about this one because they started the article out by saying, if you know a teenage girl who likes to read, okay." I know that the book is classified as young adult, but seriously, I wish that they would stop generalizing the fandom. I mean, look at Twilight Moms, you know. There's even boys who read these books. So I'm sure that's embarrassing for them. Probably deters a lot more boys from trying to read it. But I'm going to stop this right now before I can't, and so I'm going to move on before it's too late. So the Twilight Lexicon interviewed good old Michael Welch. They asked him, What made you want to audition for the role of Mike Newton? He said, Originally I auditioned for Edward. Ha! Huh. As soon as I read the description, I knew it wasn't for me. Although I appreciate my representatives thinking I could pull off hauntingly beautiful, the most unbelievably good-looking creature that the world has ever seen. Honestly, come on. Me? I don't think so, folks. Any potential charm I have comes out of corkiness, not physical attractiveness. Anyway, Mike seemed to be the best fit, and Catherine liked how I played the role. I auditioned for Eric, too, and I was kind of funny, but I have to say that Justin has been a perfect Eric. Okay, I love Michael Welch and all, but I am really glad that he wasn't chosen for Edward. That would have been very interesting, but, and he doesn't seem to be nerdy enough, you know, to be Eric, but I guess Justin doesn't either, so whatever. Um, I think Mike Newton was, you know, the right role for him, definitely. Oh, I also like the part of this interview when they asked him, can you tell us what it's like working with Catherine Hardwick? And he replied, she's a very serious director. But she exudes playfulness no matter how much she has to deal with or how stressful the situation is on set. She does an excellent job of staying optimistic and keeping a smile on her. I have worked with directors on the other end of the spectrum and that's not the most pleasant way to make a movie. As far as the story, one time she told Justin to hit me in the face with a volleyball in the middle of a take. So he did. Right square in the face. Oh, Catherine, you're so crazy. (laughs) Okay. He always has some energy in all of his interviews, so I seriously want to meet this guy. I think he'd be hilarious to hang out with. So, Mike, we need to become friends. Uh, the Twilight Lexicon also interviewed Jackson Rathbone, so you should go and read both of those interviews on the Twilight Lexicon. They're tremendous. So, G4 released a video called G4 Haunts the Set of Twilight. This was a really good video, so make sure that you watch it. Uh, the producer, Wick Godfrey, You know, he had some things to say in this movie. made me really, really, really excited. Uh, First, he said that the best thing that this movie has done is include Stephanie Meyer, the author, in every aspect. And that this is the most pure adaptation that he has ever read. So that is super, super amazing news. I'm so excited. And, you know, the stuff just keeps adding on. That makes me feel so good that the film is going to be so true to the book. So, Oh, and he also said that Summit was preparing for... Uh, New Moon so that they they could be ready to film it so that the actors would, you know, be more age-appropriate. So they are planning on doing all of them. It's exciting. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Twilight is successful and they can't get the green light for all of them. I think that is it for movie news that I'm aware of anyway. Um, I have some friends that go to school at Cascade in Portland and I've been trying to get them to look out for, you know, cast sightings for me. But so far they haven't seen anyone and I must say that I'm pretty disappointed. Anyway, that was pointless. So, moving on to the chapter by chapter. Um, today we are starting on chapter six, which is titled "Scary Stories." The chapter starts out with Bella, you know, reading the third act of Macbeth. And there's a part in, you know, the play Macbeth that really stands out to me that link that you know links why Stephanie Meyer would have put it in to this chapter. And it's in Act Three, Scene Two. And there's a part where Lady Macbeth is asking her husband to you know, tell her more information, but Macbeth tells her, you know, to be innocent of knowledge, dearest Chuck. And that really stands out to me, considering that Bella has just been speculating earlier that day about Edward, and all he can do is warn her about staying away from him and and how it's just better if she doesn't really know him and stuff. So that's just how I link the two things. I don't even really know if that's what Stephanie Meyer was doing. That's just how I took it. So then Bella, uh, she looked out her window and saw that her truck had made it safely home, you know, as was promised. So the next day at school, you know, people were teasing her about fainting the day before, and she finds out that Mike hadn't told anyone that Edward took her away from him. I really wasn't surprised by this because, of course, Mike wouldn't want, you know, to hurt his ego by admitting that someone else had, you know, stolen his woman. And I kind of thought it was a typical Mel thing, you know. He didn't really want Eric or Tyler to know that someone else had entered the Bella race. You know, he wanted to look like he had the upper hand. And then we really meet Lauren for the first time, and she is, you know, shooting Bella all these dirty looks, you know, all the way through lunch. And after lunch Bella, you know, she overhears Lauren talking to Mike saying, you know, why does Bella have to sit with us? And that, you know, she should just keeps sitting with the colons every day. And, you know, Mike was, you know, very loyal, and he said, you know, Bella was his friend, and, you know, she sits with them, so... I think it's really nice that Mike was still protecting Bella, you know, and being such a good friend, even after Bella had basically chosen Edward over him, you know, to take her to the nurse's office and she had turned him down for the dance. But, you know, at the same time, I sort of get where Lauren is coming from because she's probably not used to the other girls stealing her thunder. At dinner that night, Charlie's excited that Bella has friends and she's going to the beach with them. So then Bella mentions that some kids were talking about going camping at the Goat's Rock. And Charlie tells her that there are way too many bears and it's too dangerous. So, You know, Bella just kind of blows it off as she got the name wrong. You know, if I was Bella, I would just be thinking, oh, typical boys going camping somewhere they shouldn't. You know, that's dangerous, so they just have to prove that they're manly, you know. (laughs) But instead of, like, you know, like, thinking that I just got the name wrong. The next morning, the nine kids, you know, they met at Mike's parents' store, and they all got in the Suburban to go to First Beach. And, you know, Mike was nervous that Bella had invited Edward, you know, but, you know, Bella, of course, denied that she even invited him. they got to the beach and they started a driftwood fire. And anyone who hasn't seen a driftwood fire, you know, they're really pretty. And, you know, you can make them so big. They're so fun. Um, They're cool. So anyway, they just decided that they wanted to go and explore the tide pools. And, you know, Bella was really, you know, thinking only about Edward all day, you know. So, you know, Bella only fell a few times during their little trek, which I thought was pretty impressive for her. Considering, you know, how many things there are to trip on in the woods. When they got back to the fire, they saw that some of the local Ute kids had come to socialize, so, you know, now we have our first, you know, Jacob Black intro, and he tells Bella that, you know, she bought his dad's truck, and she starts to remember his family and his older sisters, and... Then Lauren points out to Bella that no one invited the colons. She's just trying to be rude. And then Sam told them that the colons don't come there. And it was like his tone of voice that made Bella really want to hear this story. So she she asked Jacob to take a walk with her, and you know she tries to flirt it out of him. And I picture Bella's flirting as a disaster. She just doesn't seem like the type of girl that would possess any wiles, you know. So, but since Jacob Black was such a youngin, you know it seemed to work. So Jacob's only fifteen, and it says that he was born in nineteen ninety and Bella was born in nineteen eighty seven, so she's probably a little over two and a half years older than him and that is a big age difference when you're that age, especially when it's the boy that's younger. But anyway, Jacob asks, you know, her if he wants if she wants to hear a scary story and he starts to tell her the legend of the cold ones and he told her that, you know, they were vampires and then he admits that he he just violated this treaty by telling her and he teases her about thinking that they're just a bunch of superstitious natives and all this stuff and I definitely think that Jacob was just you know he just thought that this was a scary story I don't think he even believed in it he just thought it was one of his legends of his people but after he told it I think he was just so concerned with pressing Bella that he didn't want her to think that he was some kind of a weirdo and that he thought this was true so I kind of felt sorry for Jacob back then because you know Bella let him on like nobody's business it was kind of sad so anyway, then all the kids they headed home. So you know, Lauren was mean to Bella all day and really showing her dislike towards Bella. And Stephanie Meyer cleared this up um, in the personal correspondence on the Twilight Lexicon. And you know, she said Lauren is jealous of everything about Bella. Before Bella came to Forks, Lauren was the most sought-after human girl. She hates all the attention Bella gets, even more so because Bella doesn't try to get attention or want it. You yeah, know, I thought this was worth mentioning. But anyway, the first time that I was introduced to Jacob Black I thought about him as just you know an adoring little kid who was crushing on the older girl and I always just pictured him as really young I don't know so I don't have anything else to say about that chapter so moving on to chapter 7 which is titled Nightmare um, she got home from the beach trip and she locked herself in her room and you know she put in the CD and turned it up really loud and you know, threw a pillow over her eyes and at this point if I was Bella you know I'd be freaking out I'd be confused about what I had just heard I really wouldn't believe it but You know, so many things would have been adding up, you know, to that. I think I would be... I I would think that I was losing my mind. So anyway, Bella listened to the CD until she fell asleep. And she had a dream. I guess I'll just read the dream. I guess I'll be easier. I opened my eyes to a familiar place, aware in some corner of my consciousness that I was dreaming. I recognized the green light of the forest. I could hear the waves crashing against the rocks somewhere nearby. And I knew that if I found the ocean, I'd be able to see the sun. I was trying to follow the sound, but then Jacob Black was there, tugging on my hand, pulling me back towards the blackest part of the forest. Jacob, what's wrong, I asked. His face was frightened as he yanked with all his strength against my resistance. I didn't want to go into the dark. Run, Bella, you have to run, he whispered, terrified. This way, Bella, I recognized Mike's voice calling out of the gloomy heart of the trees, but I couldn't see him. Why, I asked, still pulling against Jacob's grasp, desperate now to find the sun. But Jacob let go of my hand and yelped. Suddenly shaking, falling to the dim forest floor, he twitched on the ground as I watched in horror. Jacob! I screamed, but he was gone. In his place was a large red-brown wolf with black eyes. The wolf faced away from me, pointing towards the shore. The hair on the back of his shoulders bristling, low growls issuing from his ex- between his exposed fangs. Bella, run! Mike cried out, again from behind me, but I didn't turn. I was watching a light coming towards me from the beach, and then Edward stepped out from the trees his skin faintly glowing his eyes black and dangerous he held up one hand and beckoned me to come to him the wolf growled at my feet i took a step uh, forward towards edward he smiled then and his teeth were sharp pointed trust me he purred i took another step the wolf launched himself across the space between me and the vampire fangs aiming for the jugular no i screamed wrenching upright out of my bed okay i really hope this dream isn't foreshadowing that you know jacob kills edward i still worry about this but i really think it just shows that both edward and jacob are you know dangerous and that mike is the safe bet but the safe guy is never any fun so we can't pick mike (laughs) so she woke up at 5 30 in the morning you know after the dream and she decided to take a shower to help clear her mind and keep her busy taking a shower is the last thing that i would have chosen um i do my all my best thinking in the shower Because there's really no other distractions. So, anyway, Bella then she gets on her computer and she looks up vampires. So, okay, being the Twilight nerd that I am, I have actually searched for this site that Bella uses and I found several vampire A to Zs and several pages, you know, with these two quotes at the top, but never the perfect combination of the two. But so I'm sure maybe it does exist, but I haven't found it. But anyway, the more she reads, the more discouraged she is getting until she reads about the Strogoni Benefici, um, which is an Italian vampire said to be on the side of goodness and a mortal enemy of all evil vampires. I think that this is really cool that the one vampire that gave her the hope you know, that Edward could be good was the Strogoni Benefici, and that, you know, that was Carlisle. In the personal correspondence from Stephanie Meyer on the Twilight lexicon. Um, She says that the Strigoni Benefici is Carlisle and that he created that legend himself. So I don't know, I just thought it was cool. I don't know. (laughs) So Bella gets frustrated and embarrassed that she, you know, thinks this is real and was looking it up on the internet. So she leaves the house and she goes for a walk um, in the forest and she sat down and started debating if it was true or not. You know, she was adding up the factors, you know, they were pale, beautiful, strong, fast, their eyes changed colors. Uh, They were freezing cold, they were graceful, they never ate, and sometimes, you know, Edward spoke like he was from a different time period, so she decided that whatever Edward was, she still wanted to be with him. So, the next Monday at school, she was so eager to get there, but when she got there, Mike asked her out to dinner, so Belle told him, you know, that that would hurt Jessica's feelings if she did it, so she couldn't. Uh, I thought Belle played that one really nicely, but that's just me. Anyway, in Jessica invited Bella to Port Angeles with her, Angela, and Lauren, you know, to go dress shopping. But then when they got to lunch, none of the colons were there. So Bella was devastated. Uh, I'd be dying to see Edward, too. The last time I had seen him was when he dropped me off, you know, at my house after the blood typing incident. Uh, that a really long time not to see someone that you're obsessed with. <laughs> uh, when Bella got home after school, Jessica called to reschedule their plans because Mike had asked her out. I always hate it when girls change their plans on their friends just to accommodate boys. They really should have just, just tell the boy they already have plans, and, but they're free another night. But that's just me, whatever. Don't ditch your friends, girls. Uh, I just think it's a bad way to treat your friends. So Bella emailed her mom and went outside and started to read Sense and Sensibility only, you know, until she realized that the hero's name was Edward. And then she started reading Mansfield Park and realized that the hero's name was Edmund. And so she slammed her book and shut it, you know, and then commented, you know, weren't there any other names available in the late 18th century? So that's some good foreshadowing that Edward is really old. And then she fell asleep and when she woke up, she felt like she wasn't alone. I always like to think that Edward was watching her, but... Then she goes inside and tells Charlie about her plans for Port Angeles the next day. It was sunny the next day, and the Colons were absent again. So, after school, Bella, Angela, and Jessica headed out of town. And I have to admit that I really don't like that chapter because Edward's not in it. <laughs> you know, I wanted, to com- I wanted him to come back as much as Bella did, but I, co- I just couldn't wait. So the next chapter is chapter 8, titled Port Angeles. Uh, the chapter starts out by saying that Jessica was a really fast driver. <laughs> I really like this because I pictured Jessica as one of those girls who drives, you know, in and out of traffic, you know, while talking on her cell phone and putting on lipstick. And all that stuff. So the fact that it mentions how fast she got them there, I, I really love it. Um, then they have some girl talk and Jessica talks about her date with Mike and how she's really hoping that by Saturday they'll be at the first kiss stage. And, okay, now I'm kind of curious as to... What is the norm for everyone? I mean, is it typical now not to kiss on the first date? I'm not really sure about this because I don't know anyone that doesn't at least, you know, peck on the first date. I thought this was a funny conversation. I don't know. Uh, anyway, they go straight to the store and we learn that Bella tells them that she never, that she's never had a boyfriend before. And, you know, then Jessica mentions that Tyler is telling everyone yeah, you know, that he's taking Bella to the prom. Okay, I think this is hilarious. So that is why Lauren hates Bella so much, because she likes Tyler, who's telling everyone that he's taking Bella to the prom. So then Bella and Angela are off looking at shoes together, and Bella works up the courage to ask about the colons being absent from school. And Angela tells Bella that the colons, you know, all of the colons, even the doctor... They go camping when the weather's nice because they're all outdoorsy. You know, when I read this the first time, I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought it was kind of cute that the whole family went camping together. Anyway, after they finished shopping, Jessica and Angela decide to go for a walk down at the bay. And Bella, you know, she wants to go book shopping. I tend to be really bad about wandering cities alone, like when I travel and stuff, I'm definitely one to go out by myself and explore. So I can def- I definitely can't blame Bella for feeling safe, especially in a town like Port Angeles. Um, I've actually been to Port Angeles, you know, to take a ferry to Vancouver, and it, it definitely makes you feel safe. I mean, it's this quaint little town. But of course, you know, Bella manages to get lost and while, she, you know, while she was looking for a good bookshop. So then I these four guys start I guess sort of hurting her, and instead of running away like anybody else would, you know Bella, she just stood there unable to scream, you know, trying to remember what little self defense that she knew and then Edward comes to the rescue in his Volvo and he throws open a door and he tells her to get in and Of course, Bella does, and they escape safely and When Bella looks over at Edward, you know she saw that he looked furious. And she asked him, you know, if he was okay, and he said no. And he told her to distract him, to help him calm down. And so Bella told him that she plans to run over Tyler before school the next day because he was telling everyone that he was taking her to the prom. And I really liked that part. I thought it was funny, and it really lightened the mood nicely. I don't know if it needed the mood lightening because Bella was almost attacked or if it needed it because Edward was back. But moving on, they go to dinner at La Bella Italia, And when they see Angela and Lauren, they're pacing in front of the restaurant. You know, I would have been so worried if I was waiting for a friend and they hadn't shown up yet. But they had already eaten, and so Edward tells them that he'll drive Bella home. And so they go ahead and leave Bella with Edward. And once they got inside the restaurant, uh, the hostess was eyeing Edward, like some kind of a juicy steak or something. And, you know, here's where we get the famous dazzling line. But the part of the conversation that... I like the best is when Bella tells Edward, you know, you really shouldn't do that to people. It's hardly fair. Then Edward asks, do what? And Bella says, dazzle them like that. She's probably hyperventilating in the kitchen right now. I just love that visual of the hostess in the kitchen, like, trying to catch her breath because Edward is so gorgeous and perfect. So the waitress is being all flirty when she comes up to the table. And if I'd been out with a guy that I liked, I would not have put up with that kind of behavior. I would have been so mad at that girl. But anyway then edward gives bella his jacket and when she starts to shiver i think that's really cute and gentlemanly which you don't see very often anymore so and if you and if you do have something that does it you found a keeper uh the important thing about the jacket is that when bella puts it on it was cold like no one had been wearing it because you know how jackets hold in like body heat after you've been wearing it for a while so that was really weird Oh, and I just have to comment on the fact that Edward is wearing a turtleneck. Okay, ew. Seriously, what guy wears a turtleneck? That is so embarrassing. Then the conversation turns to theories, and Bella mentions that he's in a good mood when his eyes are light and that she'll finish her theories in the car if he answers her questions. So she asked him why he's even in Port Angeles, and he, you know, reluctantly gives her a hypothetical story about being able to read everyone's mind but hers, and he admits to following her there, and, you know, then Bella thanked him for saving her twice now, and he put, and you know, she put her hands on top of his, you know, which were still ice cold, and then he pulled his hands out from under hers and placed them underneath the table. I'd be totally offended by this. You know, I would definitely think, okay, thanks for clearing that up. You have absolutely no interest in me at all. Um, it would definitely be a blow to my pride. But, oh yeah, and also at dinner he tells her that her number was up that the first time he met her in biology class. And I always like that because I like to think about the fact that Bella is always in so much danger because Edward was going to kill her and yet, you know, she lived. It's it's kind of exciting, I, you know, I don't know. Anyway, then they left the restaurant, and he told her that it was her turn to tell him what she was thinking. Okay, wow, what an exciting chapter, you know, from Bella almost getting raped to Edward finally being back. And, you know, now we knew that he could read everyone's mind but Bella's, and this chapter was so significant. I really, really liked it, and I was so glad that Edward was back, and, you know, I was learning more about him, and I just couldn't get enough of Edward the first time I read Twilight, so... That's it for chapter 8. I hate not to go on to chapter 9 because it relates so directly to chapter 8, but I'm out of time. I have some things to do, so I guess I will leave you with the song from my Twilight playlist for chapter 8, so enjoy the used noise and kisses. that's all for today i hope you enjoyed a blue hour twilight podcast episode four don't forget you can find us at abluehour.com